Well, today, um, like the wise men, we get a chance to respond to Christmas. Um, it was just a few days ago, remember, Christmas? <laughs> it, we took weeks or even months getting ready for it, and it blew past us in what felt like a whirlwind, at least in my house. You know, it just kind of blew by. And, and if we aren't careful, we move into the new year without the benefit of responding to Christmas in a way that could change our lives, each one of our lives. So let's not let that happen. Now, we're kind of moving into the new year this week, and, and so I just want to say, as we lay things out, we're going to be looking back at the story from several thousand years ago, seeing the wise men, see, see what they can teach us, but we don't just want to look back and then see Christmas. We really want to see if there's something from this that can kind of launch us into the new year. It says, God, what do you have for us that can help us respond to the Christmas of a few days ago and of a few thousand years ago that will make 2014 <laughs> different? and better, and more of the way God desires for us. So that's kind of where we're headed today. <clears throat> we'll be looking today at the wise men, these the, the wise guys, as they might affectionately be called. A couple of things to clear up in the ways of legends or myths that have developed over the years. Some of us know this, but I, I heard after first service, and people said, thanks for all that new information for them. So first of all, we just sang that song, We Three Kings, and right off the bat, there's a couple of errors in that. We don't know that there were three of them. Uh, that was made up <laughs> because, uh, because it's a nice number. Three gifts are mentioned, and we'll look at that here in Scripture, but three different gifts were mentioned, but there could have been um, more than one because it's plural, these wise men, uh, but it could have been 15 wise men that made the journey. We don't know that. And so right off the bat, that's okay, but it, there, there weren't necessarily three. The other thing that we do know is these men were not kings. So we three kings, although it's a great song and musically I love it, it kind of leads us in a little funny direction. That's taken from some scripture that talks about how um, kings will bow before him and, and, or will honor him uh, from in prophecy. But these men were not kings, definitely. They were uh, magi, they were wise men. And so again, maybe not a big deal, but just kind of clearing up what's there. They were wise men, important men of their area. Um, <clears throat> thirdly, I don't know that they sang as they came. You know, even that song, I love that, because actually, over the years, we've even given names to those three kings, and there weren't three of them, and they weren't kings, but Belshazzar and Jaspar and whatever else, that we don't know if they could sing or not. You know, we three kings, we don't know that. They could have been real quiet along the way. Wise men like to listen more than to talk and maybe to sing as well. So those are just a few of the things that are going on. We've kind of created things. We don't really know what the star was. Was it a constellation, several planets coming together? Was Did God create something miraculous? Exactly how did it work? We don't know. So those things aren't as important as, or as, the, as the literal things, or rather as the important, the key things God wants us to grab onto, to understand on this process. So um, by the way, also when they came to the, what you see in your nativity scene that you have at home is that you have Jesus and little baby Jesus and little Joseph and Mary and maybe a star and angel and little shepherds and, and uh, animals. And then there are the three kings bowing down uh, before him, and that's also not the way that it happened. Uh, we Best we can figure it was somewhere around two years after Jesus' birth that the wise men actually showed up. We'll look at that in more detail today, but it was not the way, you know, the brand new baby Jesus that they worshipped. And so just again, if that kind of throws you for a second, that's okay. We're just kind of laying things out here to see. We've kind of created this kind of a pretty story. Uh, Pastor Ron at Christmas Eve talked about the messiness of Christmas. It was messy. And the stable was messy, but it was messy also having a toddler in the house, you know, just kind of dealing with, with what's there. And it literally was in a house, and we'll see that. So there's clearing up some of the kind of the myths or the legends that have kind of developed around this. There's some more, but again, we just want to take a look at that. Who were the my wise men? They were actually amazing men. They don't tell us a lot. We'll look at some of it. But they didn't let, here's what I love, they didn't let anything get in the way of their search for Jesus. And I think if we could take nothing else home today, 
it could be that. If I want to be like the wise men, and that's going to be our desire, they pursued Jesus, and they didn't let anything get in the way of Jesus. And so I think, what a great way to look at 2014. I want to pursue Jesus in 2014 and not let anybody or anything get in the way of my really seeking him out and discovering who he is and what he has for me in my life. Well, we're going to look at our Bible passage for today to see what did happen, all myths aside, and, uh, and then we can hopefully learn from the wise men about how we can respond to the birth of Jesus. If you have your Bible, you can open it up to Matthew 2, or we'll be looking through verses 1 through 12. We'll be staying there today, uh, a few verses at the end of our time together, Matthew 2, 1 through 12. It's also printed in your program and also on the screens. And rather than just read a few verses and go back and forth, I want to read the whole thing to kind of really set the table for us, and then we can kind of dive in and pull some little tidbits out of it as we get started, if that's okay. So Matthew 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. King Herod was the local king overseeing the Judea countryside there. Now, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? You see, we saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this because he's the king, right? He was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law, and he asked, well, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Well, in Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. So then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Now that we learned several verses later, it was two years ago. Two years ago when the star first appeared. And then he told them, well, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Yeah, right. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they, the wise men, saw the star, they were filled with joy. And they entered the house, not the stable in the manger scene, right? They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, whenever that was, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. You see, King Herod's plan was to kill this other king that might be arriving and push him off the throne. God warned them, and they went back a different way. All that comes in later verses. Grab your Bible when you go home today and read further along if you'd like. We're going to stop there. So we read this story, and we can ask, what can we learn from the wise men? And how can we respond to the birth of Jesus uh, at all costs to do everything that we can in a way that will impact our lives? Today, we want to be just like the wise men. We want to be wise about the Jesus of Christmas. So we're just a couple things. If you want to pull out your outline and fill in some blanks on the flip side there of where the verses were, how can we do that? How can we be wise about the Jesus of Christmas? First of all, we want to start by asking the right questions. Ask the right questions. Now, these are fundamental basic questions that we're going to start with, but we just want to set this here to say, here's really a good place to start. You see, when it comes to looking at the story of Jesus' birth, we do need to ask the right questions. And these were the questions the wise men asked, and they'll benefit us if we take just a brief time to ask them too. First of all, the question would be, well, who is this baby Jesus? Who is this baby Jesus? Now, a baby is born in a stable, 
And a small town in a small, pretty inconsequential country there, Judea, Israel, there seems to be a bunch of hoopla surrounding his birth, but what it's all about really, what is it all about and who is this baby Jesus? What's his, what's his significance beyond someone we can tell a good story about and someone we can fashion a, a modern holiday around? Who is this baby really? You see, there have been a lot of great people born in the world over the centuries, but nobody else gets the attention that Jesus gets for his birthday. Now, I did research this week and found that there are just under 200 countries in the world today. I was surprised that they didn't tell me exactly because it depends upon how you define a country. They don't know exactly, but just under 200 countries. There's some debate, debate over the exact number, believe it or not, and maybe they're waiting to see if Rough and Ready makes another move for independence. I don't know, but somewhere... <laughs> just under 200 countries. But of those two countries that we can identify, over 160 of those countries celebrate Christmas on a national scale. They recognize it and celebrate it, and still others have a significant amounts of people celebrating it in the country unofficially. Almost the entire world celebrates Jesus' birthday, and it's just a birthday. Who is this baby Jesus that commands the entire world, in a sense, to celebrate his birthday some several thousand years later. And uh, what's this all about? That's the question and the question that the wise men had as well. And it would lead to a second question. Once I start asking, who is this baby Jesus? My second question is, well, why should I care? I mean, why should I care? You know what I mean? That's an interesting question. It's out there as I start looking into it. I see there's this story of the birth of baby Jesus, which is great. And it gives us the warm and fuzzy feeling that we all love, but... Other than what happened a couple days ago and what led up to it, why should I care long-term, really? I mean, you know, we're into the new year. It's time to take the Christmas decorations down and move on. Because once Christmas is over, the decorations, decorations come down. We hit the new year just in time to make a resolution to start losing all the weight we packed on during the Christmas season, right? It's time for that, you know? We feel good about the family time we had over the holiday perhaps. <laughs> and uh, we feel good about the Christmas programs we attended. We feel great about our visit to Eddie the Elf that put us in the Christmas spirit. Anybody get a chance to stand in line to see Eddie this year, potentially his last year? But once we watch all the movies, once we consume all the Christmas cookies and fudge, maybe even taking a chance on some Christmas fruitcake, once Christmas ends, what does it leave us with really? right? Some good feelings, some good memories, but maybe also some scary credit card death, uh, excuse me, credit card debt, which is kind of like death, isn't it? <laughs> you know, we end up with scary credit card debt, perhaps, and even maybe a depressed feeling that it's all over, and maybe the holidays didn't live up to our expectations. You know, Ron, hey, did it overcome? Was it better than your expectations? And maybe just flat out, it's no. You know what I mean? And it's over, and I'm kind of, you know? Well, the wise men we read about in Matthew were from the east, we know, somewhere far to the east, potentially, from a long ways away, maybe as far as ancient Babylon, we don't know. But what we do know is that the men, that they were not Jewish, okay? They were not Jews, they were Gentiles or non-Jews. So in one sense, they had to ask the question, okay, here's a star, some sort of light that appears in the heavens. It seems to tell of something important happening, but you know what? That something is far away, far, far away. Why should we care? What does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with me? And we could end up asking that same question. Why should we care? For the wise men, as they researched the star, they discovered it pointed to the Jewish people, and they weren't Jewish, right? They themselves, the wise men, weren't Jewish, so the question, why should we care, was really a great, great question to ask. And it's one, really, that we could ask today as well. Okay, Jesus, the programs, we go through Christmas next, move on through, why should we care? 
Um, it's one we really do need to ask and answer to, or we may miss out on the greatest event in history and potentially the greatest event, potential event in your own life. Well, today, again, we want to be wise about the Jesus of Christmas, so we start by asking these right questions to get us started. But after that, after we ask the questions, we need to be like the wise man there in the Bible and seek the answers diligently. We ask the right questions, gets us started, but we don't just stop there. We now have to seek the answers diligently because it's not enough just to ask rhetorical questions that float out there and then move on. You know, we want to be wise. Now, it may be easier to not seek the answers diligently, you know, just kind of let it go. That would be easier, but it's not the wisest thing. And today, we're going for wise, right? We're patting ourselves after the wise men. So when we start asking questions and looking for answers, the first thing that we want to do is to remind ourselves is this. Don't ignore them. Don't ignore them. Don't ignore the questions and don't ignore the answers, okay? <clears throat> don't just ask them, start to get some answers and then kind of brush them under the rug and pretend they never came up, you know? <laughs> that might happen, you know? Something starts happening, just kind of ignore it. And I picture a little kid who, when something, something starts happening around them, they kind of cover up their ears and close their eyes. No, 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 no. You know, I'm just going to shut it all out, you know? And it may work for a minute for a little kid, but there's a reason why most adults don't do that anymore most. Did you catch that? Because it really isn't effective. It doesn't work. And so that's right there. Now, I picture the wise men thousands of years ago seeing whatever it was that they saw in the sky. And they see that there. And as they start looking into it, they realize this is not going to be a simple thing. This is not just, oh, cool star, next. You know, and I can see one of these guys suddenly back up and say, hey, hold on, guys. Wise guys, let's just blow this thing off. You know, we have enough going on in our busy lives right now. We have enough, we have enough income from all the people that are coming to pay us for our skills, our service, our wisdom. Let's just ignore this. This is no big deal. Let's just let it slide. <clears throat> now, if the wise men had given into that argument and ignored the star, they would have never met the God-child Jesus and that unique moment in history I see it wasn't just life-changing, it was eternity-changing right then and right there. And they might have missed it if they simply chose to ignore it. And fortunately for them, they didn't. But for some of us today, as we look at them and say, what does that look like for me? We do choose to ignore things, even important things that stare us right in the face. You see, sometimes it might be something that makes us uncomfortable. So instead of looking into it more deeply, we kind of turn our backs on what's there and go about our business, ignoring the very thing that beckons us. If we're afraid, we don't like what we find out, you know, we may just choose not to find it out, you know. Oh, I'm not going to go there. And that's not wise, is it? I see ignoring something doesn't mean it's not there, and it doesn't make it not true. We just miss out on the growth and the knowledge we could have gained. Back then for the wise men and today, we can't ignore Jesus and be wise. We just can't. Well, secondly, when we seek the answers diligently... I also want to tell you, don't think it will always be easy. <clears throat> don't think it will always be easy. Now, I know in our culture, we love the easy button, you know. We want things to be easy. We want them to be short, right to the point. Let's just get to it and move on. That's kind of the way our culture pushes things through here. But when it comes to uh, seeking the answers to the right questions, uh, don't think it's going to be easy because it rarely is, okay? It's often a lot of work, but it will very often be worth it. But you've got to understand it's going to take some work. So let's go back to the wise men, okay? Because they jump from seeing the star to appearing here in Jerusalem, okay? But what happens over those two years? You see, they see the light in the sky, and they need to start researching to figure out what it is and what it means. And is that easy? 
Hardly. I mean, here's a few things they probably had to face. First of all, they start digging through all sorts of written literature. These are skulls from multiple, multiple cultures, multiple languages, including Hebrew. I can't imagine that was their native language. By the way, Hebrew reads right to left, not left to right. And it's a whole bunch of jumbles of figures, not traditional letters, and they don't have vowels. Sound easy? Studied a little bit in seminary, and um, woohoo, that was fun. So this is what they're doing. This is how it starts. They're trying to figure this out as they try to shed some light on the star. And then once they found the answer, they have to choose to actually follow the star towards Israel, which is not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. You see, preparing for a long journey was tough. You think it's tough today? (laughs) How many of you, like, if you're going to go on a long journey, ooh, I can't look forward to the packing. A big smile on your face. Some of your husbands are like, it's easy enough. My wife does it. <laughs> you know, it's just not. Now picture it back in that day. It, it's got to be tough. <clears throat> Leaving the comforts of home for them, you know, whatever they have in their, whatever their houses were like, their nice beds, regular good food that they had, their community, their respect, just everything that's there, they're going to leave that. Now think about it. They start traveling. There's no nice hotels along the way, no showers, no Starbucks, no cell phones, no places even to pull over for potty stops. Okay, bunch of camels and a bunch of smelly men traveling for many hundreds, if not thousand miles over up to two years. Yeehaw. <laughs> Lots to pack. What do you bring? What don't you bring? Don't overload the camels. How many camels do we bring? How many servants are we going to need to watch out for the camels? And how is this all going to work? How much food and water do we need? Dangers to face through the desert, through the mountains, deserts to cross, thieves, enemies, wild animals, scorpions, you name it, we might face it. Anybody game for the trip? They're not going to let anything get in their way of searching diligently for the answers. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. Seeking the answers wasn't easy for these men, and it's not always easy for us either as we really pursue things of importance. It may take time and effort, some sacrifice, some putting ourselves second, which most of us don't like to do. (laughs) If we look into who the baby Jesus is, the question comes up, what will it cost me? You see, what if he asks something of me that I can't give? Or what if he asks something of me that I don't want to give, be easier just to ignore it or not make that sacrifice. I'd rather take the easy way out. Only the easy way out is just that. It's called the easy way out, and it leads you out and not in. But isn't in where we really want to be? In the know, in the family, in the club, in the groove, on the inside of things? Aren't those all desirable things? It's going to take some effort to seek out this Jesus going to take some effort to truly seek out Jesus, but it's going to be worth it. It's what the wise men did, and they patterned that for us. Well, today we want to be wise about the Jesus of Christmas, so let's ask the right questions, and we want to diligently seek the answers, and third, we want to respond with our hearts. Encouragement is to respond with your heart, because as we ask the questions and we start getting the answers, we, we see the wise men respond to the baby Jesus with their hearts. And, and it's beautiful how these non-Jews respond to the king of the Jews. And it's really that invitation to us to respond to Jesus in the same way. So, so here's the invitation as you respond with your heart. It truly is an invitation. First of all, rejoice over the miracle. Rejoice over the miracle. Now for the wise men, picking it up in verse 9 that we already read, but I want to reread this. After this interview with King Herod, the wise men went their way. And the star they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. 
exclamation point. Wow, this is it. This is, our, this is the culmination of our journey. This is great. <laughs> they knew they were close after their long journey, and they were excited because the miracle, the miracle was close at hand. Now, for us, most of us here today have seen a few Christmases. Some of us have seen quite a few Christmases, right? To just be honest. And the idea of, coming, of God coming to the world in the form of this little tiny baby, it warms our hearts, but sometimes that's about it. It's kind of a warm, fuzzy Christmas feeling. Yay, another good Christmas. Next. We've heard it before, and we've heard it before and before and again and again. And, and so the newness and the raw miracle nature of the event has lost its edge for some of us, right? It's like watching some great movie, which you loved the first time and okay the second time, but by the 10th or 12th time, we're like, uh-huh, you know? It's just there. The virgin birth? Yeah, I guess that sounds pretty miraculous. <laughs> that is pretty miraculous, you know? God humbling himself so much that he lays aside his divine attributes so he can experience life in the form of a man? That's pretty amazing, too, come to think of it. Can he even do that? <laughs> I mean, still be God but not access his godly powers by choice? Sounds pretty miraculous, doesn't it? God loving each one of us so much that he comes to earth for the sole purpose of living a perfect life, then allowing himself to be crucified on the cross so that we can have a new and eternal life, that's enough of a miracle to put big time joy in our hearts. And, and we become like the wise men at Christmas time. When they saw God in miraculous action, it says they were filled with joy. It just kind of bubbled over. They rejoiced. We need to rejoice over the miracle too. The miracle of the virgin birth, the miracle of God in the form of man, the miracle of a God who says, I love you so much. I'm going to submit to this and come in the form of man so that I can die for you so you can spend eternity with me. That's a miracle of joy. Can we respond with joy? The second way to respond to Jesus with your heart is to worship him. Realize that the baby is also your king. So to worship him, to realize that the baby is also your king. Now, the wise men, just to continue with the story, and again, this is on the front side of your outline, Matthew 2, but read the verses again. The wise men, it says, verse 11, they entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Now, they encountered this young child, maybe this two-year-old little guy with his poor family, and they fell on their knees in the dirt and worshiped him. Now, it doesn't say that they worshipped King Herod when they met him just before this. Remember, they stopped in Jerusalem to see the reigning present king here, and they see King Herod. It says nothing about any worship there. Now, King Herod was powerful, a full-fledged adult king who commanded attention and respect. But the wise men saved their worship not for the ooh and the ah, but for the little Jesus child, who frankly was clueless who they were and what they were doing as they knelt in the dirt to bow down and worship him. You realize that? We sometimes, ooh, Jesus, you know, he's God. And yes, he is, but he, was, he came fully in the form of man as well. And at two years old, he's talking and acting and walking and toddling around like a two-year-old does. And all of a sudden, these fancy dudes show up in these turbans or who, what, and whatever their robes look like, and they're now bowing down to him. And about probably all he was interested in was going up and touching the funky fabrics and playing with the silly hats they were wearing. But see, it wasn't about Jesus' response. It was about their response to Jesus. And they said, hey, one-year-old, two-year-old child, you're the king. 
you're the one. Now, it's amazing that these non-Jewish men saw this little child as more than a child, but as a king, and not just as the king of the Jews, but as their king, and they worshiped him accordingly. So for us, I'd have to ask, are you able to respond to Jesus by worshiping him as your king today? Not just the baby Jesus, but baby Jesus as king. I see I'm really talking to all of you today because there's really kind of two groups of people here and all variations within, but there's those of you who have never allowed Jesus to be your king. You've never received his gift of forgiveness and eternal life, and that's something he wants to do. It's why he came. So the invitation is there. Might you worship him as the king of kings today and every day for the rest of your life, for 2014 and 2015 and beyond? Christmas is over. The, the holiday, but he is still the king, worthy of all honor and praise. And if you haven't done that, he invites you to do that. But there are many of you here today who have given your life to Jesus. And I want to ask the same question because God isn't letting us off the hook with this. This isn't just like a salvation message. Come and understand Jesus is your Lord. It says, let him be your king. Will you respond to Jesus today and every day by worshiping him as your king? You see, that means letting him lead your life on a moment-to-moment basis. That means letting him be in charge of your daily life, not you. It means maybe changing the way you drive. It means maybe changing the way you relate to your spouse. It means maybe changing the way that you do your work. Will you let him be your king? Will you worship him as the king, not just at Christmas time when it's so easy, not just in church? but tomorrow and the next day, 2014 and always. That's our response we can give. Well, the third way to respond to Jesus with your heart is to give him your best. Give him your best. Now, the wise men, it goes on to tell in this verse in, in chapter 211 of Matthew, it says, then after they bowed down on the dirt before, this, before Mary, the mom, and the little child, it says they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. See, the wise men had very expensive gifts to give Jesus, gifts that had cost them plenty, gifts that they'd had to carry across many miles over days and weeks and months, fearing robbers and thieves the whole way, all so that they could give Jesus their best. You see, gift-giving and giving their best was important to them. They didn't re-gift that crockpot they received their last birthday. They didn't just make the journey, and as you're pulling into Bethlehem, all of a sudden go, oh, man, we need to get a gift and start looking for a convenience store to find some little gift that, oh, maybe he'll like this, you know? I wonder what they've got at the, at the little drugstore or at the little convenience store. They didn't do that. They knew Jesus deserved their best. They gave him their hearts. They gave him their best, and they responded accordingly. And so here we are again, seeing if we can respond like the wise men. And we'd ask, can you give him your best? the best of your time, the best of your skills, the best of your attention, the best of your resources. Oh, sure, you can do those things. The bigger question is, will you? Remember I talked about laying the table for 2014. Will you? Will you do those things? Will you respond with your heart to Jesus like the wise men and choose, for example, to spend quality time with God when you're alert and fresh, maybe even more than once a week? Will you get involved in volunteering here at church or in the community in a big way, giving the best of your time, energy, and skills, knowing that as you serve others, you are actually serving Jesus himself? Will you make a commitment to give to the church regular offerings, a percentage of your income, knowing that Jesus calls the church his very own body? So as you give to the church, you are directly giving to Jesus and his very mission here on earth. 
the wise men gave Jesus their best. And so I simply ask and invite you, will you, not just on Christmas, but every day, on into the new year and beyond, the wise men did, it's our invitation. And fourth, the fourth way to respond to Jesus with your heart is to let him change you, to allow him, to let him change you. See, the wise men, this story closes this way. They've worshipped, they've given the gifts, and when it was time to leave, it doesn't say how long they stayed. It was more than a, hi, nice to see ya. But when it, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country and they went by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Remember, Herod was probably going to go out, go out and kill him, and God warned them, and they went back. So I'm going to read into things a little bit here with the wise men, but I start thinking what their journey back to the east might have been like after they left Jesus. Right? They'd been traveling for days, weeks, months, potentially up to two years, you know, facing all that they had to finally see this Jesus. They had this huge encounter. They're rejoicing. They give him their best, and all of a sudden, they're now heading back home for days and weeks and months and potentially years. And what do you think they were thinking? What do you think they were feeling? What was their conversations like? How would they have looked ahead to the rest of their lives? You see, God led them to Jesus, the King of Kings. And then he even spoke personally to them in a dream. All of a sudden, this God thing, which felt so churchy and far away, was like, this is real. He's even talking to me. Do you think their lives would ever be the same? No way. The wise men were undoubtedly changed as a result of their encounter with Jesus, the God of the universe coming in the form of a baby, all because of his love for them, his love for us, his love, his love for you. Will you allow that same Jesus to change you? You know, we're moving into the new year and our culture starts talking about New Year's resolutions, areas you want to change in your life. Will you bow to him and give him your best and then allow him to change you this new year? I want to read this one last Bible passage. We read this earlier in the service. John 1, 10 through 13 says, He, speaking about Jesus, Jesus came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, like the wise men, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. See, I want to close by telling you this. God, God calls you, God invites you to respond to Jesus and become his child. Will you respond today? And for those of you that have already done that, he asks you to, to live like the reborn child of God that you are, not just at Christmas but into the new year and beyond, filled and led by the Holy Spirit, ready to take the message of Christmas into the new year like never before, responding to him in a way that will allow him to change you and fill you. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this morning. And thank you for the opportunity to, to be here. Uh, we've had a, a busy time, Lord, and beautiful decorations still on stage and the whole Christmas uh, holiday that we've created, Father. Yes, truly, it's to celebrate Jesus, but sometimes it, it seems to go sideways. And I thank you as we look at the wise men that it can kind of help us center and bring us back to focus truly on what Christmas is and that it isn't just an event that we can look at and feel good about and then move beyond, but it truly can become our advent into eternity 
and of beckoning us into a changed life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you're here today this morning and maybe you've never really kneeled literally or figuratively to Jesus before the baby who's also the king of kings, he invites you to do that today. You simply, you simply go to him and confess or profess your belief and say, I believe that you're the son of God. And then you simply ask his forgiveness for your sins, the things that you've thought and said and done that have offended God. Ask him to forgive you. And he will do that. Ask him then to lead your life to be your king. And he will come into you and lead you for eternity. For those of you that have already prayed that prayer, that have given your life to Jesus, he invites you into a 2014 beyond what you can imagine. As you give him your all, he will fill you with more than you can imagine. And Lord Jesus, so we invite that. We give our hearts to you and we receive from you all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.